Welcome to the very first edition of Sport and Life. It's a new podcast, folks, with Sam Kekovich. Hello, Leon. This is our very first sophisticated weaponry, modern technology. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? At our age. But here we are. We're going to cross the... uh, what do they call it? The uh, the Brisbane line, so to speak. That'll do. And uh, by the way, don't be ageist. This is uh, this program will discuss sport and life. Not everybody on the program, not all our guests will be sports people. No. But a lot of them will be. Yes. And in fact, our first guest later on today will be Malcolm Brown. Now, he's a very interesting cove. Well, he encompasses all those uh, of the aforementioned. Thug? Sport. Oh, well... Thuggery's a little bit... Uh, well, I think was, he's, he's sometimes dealt a very bad set of cards, Mel. Actually, if, if people were asked about Mel Brown and they were asked to describe him in two or three words, it'd be about footy and all that sort of stuff. I would but, say a conundrum, but, a dichotomy and a thug, as you rightfully no, put it. No, no, but, but there's a lot more to the guy than that, I can tell you. Oh. You only have to go to Google, Mr Google, and have a look at his background. His record in Western Australia is incredible. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes... His uh, volatility and controversy sometimes overrides just how much he achieved at a very early age. Coach the 23, premierships, he was All-Australian captain, the first West Australian. Uh, and he was uh, van- he was at the vanguard of many, a th- they, for argument's sake, they say Kevin Sheedy was the father of the Indigenous peoples of football. Mel Brown, did, uh, he did that well before Kevin Sheedy. Oh, no doubt. He was uh, outstanding. And his, his playing career was outstanding. I know he only played 14 games for Richmond, but he came here at 27, which was far too late. But part of that, you know, you, you coached Claremont to a premiership, South Fremantle to premierships. Sandover medalist. Sandover medalist. Uh, all Australian. Anyway, we'll talk about yeah. him later when we, when we have him on the program. Now, Sam Kekovich, mm. a lot of people won't know that you didn't come from Europe, you came from Western Australia. I was. I was born a sand groper in a place called Manjimup, down south for the benefit of the uninitiated, just about, uh, Mal would certainly know, a couple of hours south of Perth, two and a half hours. The Jarrah and the Carry, the Carry uh, uh, timber area, and we grew tobacco there. My parents were uh, migrants directly after the war. They escaped out of war-torn Yugoslavia uh, through Trieste and then ended up in, uh, in Cairo, fought with the British there and we're in a concert in a camp called El Arish and my brother Brian, my older brother who played for Carlton was born on the boat coming over and in those days as you may well know or not migrants either went to America did a right hand turn or did a left hand turn to Australia we happen to know families that were in Western Australia and there's a lot of Yugoslavs there as Brownie once more would attest to guys like Jerovic, Gabalic, all those you know, there was 100 million new goes there and we all landed at Fremantle and through the Ray Boynich, for argument's sake, former Richmond player. And there, was a, there was a family called the Radunoviches where we grew tobacco at, uh, at uh, Manjima. So that's where my initiation and I was born, of course, in 1950. And we came across the eastern seaboard when the salt got on the ground, was no longer viable to grow tobacco. And in 1956, the Olympic year, we came over, and I'll never forget, uh, I think my first stop here in Melbourne, when we got to Melbourne, was we went and saw that bloodbath in the pool. I think it was Hungary, or Russia played... Russia uh, played Hungary? He did, in uh, that... Uh, about, oh. uh, about a month or six weeks after the so-called inva- uh, invasion. Invasion, exactly right. And the pool... Well, it wasn't so-called, it was the invasion. It was the invasion, you're right. And uh, 
the pool was just <laughs> full of blood. I've never seen anything so hostile in a uh, in an Olympic event. So that was it. So in well, it's a funny. Just on that point, a very funny thing. Peter Bennett, who played full forward for St Kilda, and was a two-time Olympic water polo player was in the Australian team in 1956, should have been captain actually, there was a lot of controversy about Peter in water pilot, one of the great characters I have to say. He uh, he was second go- uh, full forward to John Coleman right. in the uh, in the Australian Rules Carnival held in Perth. So he, he could play and he I think he led the St Kilda goal kicking three or four years in a row. But he told me, I was a schoolboy in 56, but he told me that the you called them Yugos before. We used to call them Yugos and Hungos. I'm not aware. Well, we were Yugos. Too, I don't know whether we can use those expressions. Oh, days, mate, it's a reverence. No one owns the language, Leon. Our intent was never to defile, demean, or disparage. Well, I mean to say. No, well, they weren't then. They I were keep just, telling people, just on language, sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I keep telling people it's not the content, it's the delivery and the tone in which it's delivered. You know, if I call you a wog or you call you whatever I might call you, or you're a good looking sort. It's not demeaning or disparaging. It's almost an accolade. It's the Australian culture. In fact, our reverence is like a window to a lot of us migrants. Like we were wogs and dagos and spags, and it's your shout, wog. But there was never any disparagement or any malice associated with it. And not only that, but it, it, it was it was almost a window into the Australian culture and the psyche in our DNA. I remember my old man, he didn't know what they were saying. I do, obviously, I was more westernised, anglicised pretty quickly because I went to school here. But after a period of time, my old man got the gist of it being Australian. And most of those early migrants did. The Greeks, the Spanish, the Italians, all those forced migrants who worked their butt off and were eternally grateful for the opportunity of a second coming. And they learnt the Australian way. And she'll be right, mate, and, you know, your shout wog and... It was fantastic. Now, how did we get onto this? I, I was talking about Peter Bennett. Peter Bennett, well, okay. <laughs> and a water polo match in 1956. <laughs> well, we'll stick to the terms of reference. Then I went to, uh, yes. Then Peter, I, Peter Bennett told me the Hungarians actually started that blue because they were obviously more than enraged about the Russians invading their country. For Christ's sake, Leon, I was six at 56. I didn't know who started the war then. I know. You said there was blood all over <laughs> the was. pool. And I remember that. One guy got his eye cut. That, yeah. That's a common injury. You know, it's a cut across the eye or a broken nose, facial injuries. People always think you get hurt under the water, you know, in other areas. That's not true. <laughs> but if you do get kicked in the knackers, the facial pull's incredible. Oh, now we're really ta- now we're sticking to the terms of reference now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, carry on. Yeah, so you, you finished up in Victoria. I finished up in Victoria, a place called Gunbow. We went to Gunbow first uh, through a friend of ours called Peter Catanese. We grew tobacco there. I went to school at Gunbow State. I went to Kahuna High where I went with a Ference and also a wonderful great golfer. Went to Kahuna as well. Yes, and the name of Allenby? Stuart, Al- A- Stuart A- Appleby. Appleby. Not Allenby, Appleby. Stuart Appleby. Uh, Allenby's the one that got lost in Hawaii. Uh, Appleby uh, was, a, <laughs> was a great golfer. And then uh, when I was about 11 or so, uh, we ventured across to Myrtleford, where I guess most people associate our family and where I'm from, coming across uh, over near that uh, northeast Victoria. So Myrtleford is where I really... You know, started my footballing career as a, a junior a junior player. Then I made the senior side very early, and uh, it was just an amazing and wonderful upbringing. My parents worked hard. We're still on tobacco there, so I just had the most fabulous of upbringings. And 
whilst my parents, you know, just diligently worked 20 hours a day, made sure that we had everything and uh, never had much money, but they had a great lifestyle and, uh, you know, the, it was just... And in those days, we were, you know, they imparted, you know, very strong, uh, 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 very strong character lines, you know, principles, yes, sir, thank you, there's no excuse for bad manners, and that was Australia. That was the early Australia, and that's the way it was. And uh, We're we talking to Sam Kekovich about principles, folks, just in case you got a well, bit confused. Well, I was confused. a bit of an oxymoron, I know, really, <laughs> and you, don't have to, you, don't need, you didn't have to make it known publicly. I, I figured that myself. It was, it was riddled with a splash of that. <laughs> now, now, tell me about the German warfare and the wee guys. They ran second again. Well, talking about... <laughs> uh, funny, when, when you were talking about slang... Uh, you know, I, I was, I'm older than you, but, um, and the whole four we guys were all born through the war. And we were, we guys obviously had German name. They came out here in 1950, uh, 1852 looking for gold at Bendigo. And as far as I know, they're still looking. I don't think I found any, but, uh, they so that, a, that's, a bit there, didn't but <laughs> I became through the Carbine Club and a whole lot of other reasons, I, I became friendly with Wolf Blass, the famous winemaker. The Kaiser. Uh, not, not Mitchelton, like our sponsor, but uh, Wolf Blass. So Wolf Blass used to call me the Kraut. Wolf Blass called me the Kraut. <laughs> and so that's how... But you how weren't we, offended. You were not offended. Oh, well, you wouldn't even think of it. Um, went to school in Clifton Hill, a whole lot of um, you know ethnic kids there. Yeah, they were. And I might say, talking about Hungarians, there were two Hungarians that popped up at the school. And it were, all of our ethnic community were Greek or Italian. We knew about that. They, they were, like Brownie um, probably was so associated with the Aboriginals in Western Australia in his early days and right through his career. Well, we just, they were just ordinary blokes, you know. We, yeah. we took them for granted. And, well, up popped a couple of Hungarians. We thought they came from the moon. <laughs> Hungary, what a funny name, you know. <laughs> so that was the way it's progressed. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that, that's the ethnic uh, background of the, the Uyghurs. Just as an aside, when we grew tobacco, we would hire Dad on any given day when we were picking tobacco, if you knew anything about tobacco, but I won't discuss it then, we would need 15 or 20 pickers a day. So we would have Spanish, Hungarian, Greek, every conceivable nationality. And I, during my holidays, I learned to pick up a few languages. And I speak fairly well Italian, because they couldn't communicate Australia, you know, in, you know, Australia, the toughest language in the world. But I learned snippets of their language. So I'm eternally grateful for that upbringing as well, you know, driving around my father. All right, we're uh, on Sport and Life. Sam Kekovich and Leon Wiegard with you. And our very, very first guest coming along after this short break, Malcolm Brown. Well, welcome back to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wiegard. And, uh, Sammy, it's time for our very, very first guest on this uh, podcast. What a way to start. Well, he's an interesting guy, and uh, I've known him for many, many years, and so have you. Um, You wouldn't have played against each other, of course, but it's Malcolm Brown, all the way from, well, Richmond Footy Club, right back to Perth, where he really was... The most famous name in football for years and years in Yonks. Infamous. 
Good to see you, Brownie. Thanks, Leon. Fantastic. Well Thanks. done, mate. Good yeah. to- that's what our a audience. Start the biggest name in the game, <laughs> Mel Brown. Thank How you. lucky were we? I loved your eulogy there, Sam, before you started. <laughs> Did you uh, regret not coming over earlier? Well, in those days you couldn't get cleared. Um, yes, the answer is yes. If, if I had my life back now, because at 23 to be appointed coach, it takes all the fun and mateship away from the blokes that uh, had a drink, played golf, whatever, because you're committed basically, had a job. Then you started, uh, you know, as soon as the season's over, you started getting ready for the pre-season. Then you had the season and you were committed, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday you played. So it really, you would have as a player, but you didn't have that responsibility. So yes, I did regret it. And I don't think it helped me uh, have ambition to play well in a in the team you're always looking at pushing you're always looking at pushing Sammy get over there to pick up Leon pick that bloke up rather than wanting to be best player yourself so I think from those two aspects it was both probably too young but look I've never regretted one day I'm the luckiest bloke from the day I left Darren to the day to today um, I've had a ball well you just threw a name in there no one will know where that is where's Darren well, Darren's about 100 miles, uh, 102 or 104, which either way you go to uh, east towards Kalgoorlie. It's become famous because of the great Buddy Franklin, uh, who's, who came from there, and uh, his sister, I think she was Australian netball player or something. And So it's pretty famous town. And it also had the second biggest uh, field aid, Orange, and they still have in August a, a fabulous uh, field day. Ah. Were you always, I'll, I'll put it politely, barrel-chested? Uh, I mean, oh, that's, is it a body shape? A bit fat, you're saying. Well, yes, most probably, you're most probably true. <laughs> well, well, you're not... Well, a, you're and not I think a, that's from, tra- from what I said about being coach in the middle training. Yeah. And, you, and you couldn't have the time you had now to go and train privately because you had mm. to go to work at 7 o'clock in the yeah. morning to get off at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I would have said slightly corpulent. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> first up, yeah, first show. <laughs> yes, a bit plump. So I remember Tommy Hafey, the first day we did a training run around Botanical Gardens, and I think there was a whale and Barmy and me and we've run around the tan the one they did it twice and halfway up comes Tommy who ran backwards and forwards and he said he said Malcolm how can anyone run that slow <laughs> and I said to him Tommy have I stopped he says no I said well I'm bugging if I can run that slow how, how do you do you classify yourself going back into the west as an East Perth Claremont or South Fremantle personal Oh, I'd classify myself as uh, East Perth as a player because I played, coached and uh, was involved in a premiership and then uh, got removed from that. Then I went down to South Fremantle and had all these young blokes like Rioli and Michaels and all that and, uh, uh, and the, my kids would have all been South Fremantle. So I'm a life member of both clubs. Um, so I'm pretty lucky. So uh, in two stages and it was a lovely gesture last year, I think it was, with all this virus on, they, we had a game, East Perth versus South Fremantle, and they presented me with a jumper with half South Fremantle with the Premiership player's name and sign on it and half East Perth with the Premiership names of the players in 72 and 80. So, How'd it go on eBay? <laughs> haven't sold it yet. But <laughs> the I'll garlic tell you, munchers. The old garlic munchers, West Perth, yeah. West Perth. Imagine if we call them that now. Oh. <laughs> They'd have a nervous. But we, did, we used to call them, as you said, 
uh, you know, uh, I always remember Nina Colotto in that oh, book, brilliant. There a Weird Mob, and he never brilliant. felt accepted and with his handkerchief with the four knots in it, yeah. and he's a bricklayer, and he used to swear, instead of saying, you so-and-so, so-and-so, he'd say, you so-and-so, so-and-so, the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he never felt accepted till he got asked down to the pub on a Friday night for a South drink. South Fremantle, driving into South Fremantle, I was there not long ago, there's a famous statue of the great mark of John Jerovich. There's another you. Remember John Jerovich? Well, he was my hero. He was, yeah, he was a great player. He was my hero. He but, was a John Coleman. Mm. Mm. Now, let me refresh your memory, because I know you're very lucid despite your uh, Thursdays and Fridays of your life cycle. <laughs> if my memory says me correctly, in 1966, I think you signed with Collingwood for a 1000 bucks. Yes, that's correct. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. I followed Collingwood. Uh, now, I'm not we... finished, Margaret. Don't interrupt me. Oh. It's for $1,000. Yeah. Now, I know you're very principally orientated. Now, did you return that 1000 I think, did Schwabby get hold of you at some stage he was going to do a deal with Collingwood and return the money, or you yeah. return the money? No, I'll tell you exactly. We, we Bradley Smith, who played with your North he Melbourne did, side, Bradley. and I were best mates. We came over and we caught a taxi from the airport to Victoria Park, where I was going to be met by, I think it was Peter Lucas. And really? after about two hours, nobody turned up. And we had our bags and we walked up to the from the Oval to the street and who drove past but Swabby. And uh, Swabby took us to a... Um, motel in Church Street. I've never seen so many beautiful Ansett air hostesses in all my life and we went and had a drink and Swabby said, well, why don't you come and play with us? And I said, well, I will if you pay the $1,000 back to Collingwood. But knowing Swabby, oh. I reckon there was no hope of that happening. Because <laughs> in those days, you only came across the Nullarbor to either go to the, I think your words were the Melbourne Cup. And the Grand Final. And the Grand Final. That was our trips away. That was, every West Australian wanted to come to play, like the cricketers wanted to go to England yeah. to play cricket. That's every, and that's why a lot of West Australians were a bit angry with me because I always encouraged players I coached to make the move uh, to come over. You know, with, I mean, my, my boss who we owned, a, well, he owned most of it, he paid Morris Rioli's transfer fee to go to Richmond. Because I, I reckon good players, it was just good to see them uh, play so well over sure. here. A lot of people wouldn't know, uh, Mel Brown, that you were actually on the Western Australian Football Commission at one time. Yeah, for about three years, I suppose. Um, uh, and what happened was John Todd was appointed coach of Perth and Perth uh, overnight, he pulled out. And the next day, Perth would basically, from what I understand, going to close. And uh, so I resigned off the commission and went and coached Perth for a couple of years. And Brian Burke, who I'm a Liberal, as you know, but he was fabulous. And people like Laurie Connell, who people often uh, decry, um, they put in about 100 and got a range of 150,000 to save Rothwell the Bank. Rothwell Bank. And uh, I think it was Connell personally, actually. And uh, um, Every time he ever said anything, you do it. He always did it. Mm. Um, whether I respect. W.O. Inc. wasn't it from memory? Called it Western Australian Incorporated. Yeah, well, they, yeah, I think they. Well, the, all the governments were involved and all that. But anyway, and Perth was saved. Not everybody. Still there today. Uh, not still everybody there today. will remember Laurie Connell. Uh, they certainly won't all remember him well. No, they won't. Because but he had of a good the point. racing and. Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, the horse jump. A jockey jumped off a horse at Bunbury. They say oh, hock, hobby, hobby, and all that sort. Accidentally fell off, yeah. <laughs> but they all happen. And uh, I mean, I only judge people whether they're criminals or whatever, even politicians, uh, about if they keep their word. 
And how about the impact of this? I've got to get this in old Fitzroy, man. Um, the impact of Kevin Murray when he, oh. he went across there. Him and Wilma. Remember Wilma? Kevin's well, wife? Well, that's, well, Wilma, as I understand it, was the reason he, he came back. That's right. Because she wasn't overly happy over there. No, he, he was... Uh, Kevin Murray was... My he- idols were uh, from here were Wiedemann, who we used to see yes. on the winners on a Saturday night. Uh, a fellow member of Sam and I of the oh, Van Sang yeah. Club. I love Murray Wiedemann with the passion. And John Jerovich and Square Kilmurray, who I rang yesterday, uh, won the 1958 Sandover medal. He was an Aboriginal boy that... They went to Clontarf with Polly and Jack Hunt from Darwin, and they all played for East Perth. And uh, um, look, he was—they were just—it was just fantastic. Who were we talking about? I'm sorry, I'm getting Kevin Murray. Kevin Murray. Yeah, I was thinking about Wilmer, and he came over in six in '65, and uh, I was lucky enough to handball the ball to him on Easter Monday, and we beat the top side for the year in Kevin's first game. And Kevin Murray, not a good kick. No, no, uh, it wasn't one of the... Well, he wasn't a classical footballer. He had long arms. He was a wonderful... No one tougher and harder at it. And no one could take a better mark. And he was the most... Well, he had long arms. Yeah, he was a... And he coached us. And then uh, all of a sudden you said, why I coach at 23, he went home. And I got a, a, a... Pointed coach after he went home, which I was surprised. He, he was he was fabulous, and then we were lucky enough to have Jack Sheedy and Derek Chadwick, Ooh, who yeah. played cricket for West Australia for a long time. So, but Kevin Murray, I came over. You might have been on the committee. I only played one seconds game in my career, and I came over for Kevin Murray's testimonial that Fitzroy put on, and they said to me, uh, "If you come over, you'll we'll, you know miss training." I said, well, I won't. I'm going in on the midnight flight after Tuesday and I'll be back Thursday. And they said, well, if you go over, you will play seconds. And I said, well, I'm going over. So I went over for Kevin's testimonial and decided to stay and went and trained with Bill Stevens, yeah. who they let me train with them. Uh, and I love Kevin Murray. He was a fabulous, fabulous... He was, he's, yeah, he's still... And he's he lives not up, too good at the moment. No, he's, he's not too good, not and he uh, lives up near Shepparton. And, he's uh, a good man, Kevin. Uh, I ring him every now and then. And, in fact, in 1965, we were in Perth training with the Australian water polo team prior to going to Europe, and we went down and... I must have seen you training because we went down... I took some of the boys, uh, the Victorians... And South, oh, we never South Australia. Must have only been the Victorians. We went down to have a look at his Perth training. Did you? Yeah. And uh, Kevin was running around. He jumped the fence out of the chat yeah. as he does, you know. And um, a wonderful bloke, Kevin. He was and, a, uh, yeah, yeah. His heart, his biggest weakness was Kevin couldn't hurt people. You know, when you drop people or ask them not to, to have to, that you don't think they're going to make it next year. Yeah. He, he was so uh, he always gave you hope and that's what I've always you're very compassionate yeah. I remember Lovely my brother man. Michael got killed on the Saturday we were playing Fitzroy the following Saturday it just so happens I was at centre half forward Kevin Murray was at centre half back ah. and he just said a few beautiful words before the game which made, which is not normally the custom in our days you could imagine oh you sledge yeah You'd have well been he was but he was very very humane yeah. and very compassionate yeah lovely and man and just a lovely lovely man there's now, not Malcolm, many bad men that you've met in football, you know. Sorry? There's not many... There, no, not, not after many you, not in our day. Look, no. we might have had our argy-bargy and older ration. Older and then you'd have a beer after the game. Have a beer after the game, mate. We'd doff our fedoras yep. and put your mitt out yep. and uh, enjoy a convivial over the drip tray. even asked umpires in to join you. We did. 
We and you remember in those days, umpires were people that their wife let them out two hours a week to make a decision. Well, see, <laughs> that leads me to my next topic with you, Malcolm. <laughs> see, uh, I, at the start of the show, Leon and I made reference to the fact that controversy was just your middle name. <laughs> and you were very intemperate with your language. Now, I recall vividly you're part of footballing folklore forever and a day, and it may not well be on the playing field, your achievements at Richmond. But certainly on a couple of occasions, one of our great, great friends and our Van Sank member, Johnny Sutcliffe. You had oh, the temerity and the... Yeah, beautiful man. Yeah. You threw a football which de- de- almost... <laughs> almost he, defaced he, he's it. Never overcome, he's, he's never, never overcome, overcome it. No. Never overcome it. You had the audacity of little Johnny Sutcliffe at a mid... The velocity... Yeah. Would have just absolutely changed his visage. He, he flinches he, every time a seagull goes over. He flinches. He I mentioned your name that you were going to be our first guest. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's, he, he is now quarantining himself for two weeks. <laughs> he said, he said to me, I had to report it because the finals were the, started the week or two over. And I said, oh, it wasn't that bloody hard, John. He said, oh, no. He said, if I caught it, I'd have been in Mildura. <laughs> so what were the events leading to that? So there was well, it was just took a mark and had the ball above your head and he didn't pay the mark. And I, you're where he is now, about, what, a metre and a half away because we're distancing with Social, all that yeah. bloody rubbish. And uh, threw the ball and uh, they said that I threw the ball at the umpire. Well, I didn't hit him. OK, I'll buy but that he is a good I'll play. accept you on face value there, all right. But the one thing I can't, because I think the graphic evidence is very compelling, Leon. Yeah, it is. You know, now, uh, we might just have do? a little break now and all come right, back. And come what back. we want to do is ask each of us if of all the people you've met in your lives, of all the people that you've read about, you that you've heard about, who would you like to have a couple of drinks with in the corner of the bar? Here here at the Prince, for instance, or, or not a beer, you might yeah. want to Prince have a Mitchell and wine. What Why wouldn't this, you have one of those? What about this opulent edifice we're in? Jerry Ryan's. What place. does that mean? A market <laughs> restaurant that we're in. Well, it's a fabulous place. Did yours. My daughter got married here. Did yours? It was fabulous. It was your son. My stepson got married here too. What a fantastic, terrific venue. One of the fabulous venues. Well, we'll take that break and directly after, before we talk about that, can we just mention one other controversial thing? Remember that wild brawl at Essendon that Malcolm started? It's still a part of folklore. They're trying to sort out who the culprit was. You're on, uh, you're on Sport and Life. Our guest is uh, Mel Brown and it's Sam Kakovich and Leon Wigan. And we'll be right back talking about that incident after this. Back towards the centre again, up goes Jones. For the newly crowned Premiers, 1972 had a chilling anti-climax at the Australian Team Championships in Adelaide. There, the Blues met one Malcolm Brown. It was a meeting that left an impression on many of them. To make matters worse, Carlton lost the fight to the bulky West Australian and the championships to North Adelaide. For many Victorians, this telecast from Adelaide gave them their first sight of the outrageous Mr Brown. Within two years, he was throwing his weight around in the VFL. Welcome back to Sport and Life, folks. And, uh, well, we're just about ready to open our very first bottle of wine. Well, we should encourage that, you know. Wine's very good for oh. you, you know. What a choice we've got too, Leon. Well, it's uh, the Mitchelton range, of course, here at the Prince. Um, get what you like. The Prince What's of Wales. What's your favourite? Oh, look, I'm uh, looking. Don't think I'm snobbish at that, but uh, oh, I uh, started off at base camp, but I got the summit pretty quickly with red wine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the print. Yeah. The print. Is, well, that's their gun, isn't it? It is the gun, and there's a very good reason why it is the gun, Leon. 
Well, you know, you have the print by comparison to some other brand, and you know very well what you're drinking. Uh, and the, of course, the, the entire range is, you know, but there's other quaffs, more quaffing type reds <coughs> and whites, but the print is outstanding. The Priest is a very good middle of the roader, uh, very good solid wine. And in fact, the whole range of whites, the Chardonnay and his, his uh, Rieslings are exemplary. Do yourself a favour, folks, and drive up to Nagambi. Yeah. It's just short of Nagambi. You'll see the signs. It is. Mitcheltown and uh, Mitchelton Wines there and a magnificent hotel and um, wonderful restaurant. The restaurant's outstanding. And when you and do, you're an expert. Well, I wouldn't be an expert, but there's a gurney out the front and a rehab joint just across the road. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Brown's our guest, so, and uh, we're going to talk about... Well, you're going to talk to oh, him just about... Quickly, I think it'd be remiss if we'd ever yeah, touch yeah, on yeah, that Windy Hill. wild brawl at Windy Hill, which they're still trying to sort out the coppers. What's the truth? What's the truth? <laughs> well, started, you were the antagonist and you were the perpetrator. Well, John Casson years ago threatened to sue me, but basically what happened was Jerker Jenkins uh, took a mark uh, and, uh, and I stood on the mark and this bit's made up, and I said, he grabbed me by the willy, and I said, now I know why they called you jerker. <laughs> but, but anyway, anyway that, so we ran around, but Casson ran around the boundary, and he was in a dressing gown, and as we're coming off, uh, Laurie Ash, Lashley, I think it was, so apparently I pushed him away, and Casson's jumped on top of us, and that's really all I saw. I got trod on by the policeman's horse. I couldn't have played the next week anyway. And then we saw... Graham Richmond get $2,000 fine, Parsons, yeah. Ronnie Andrews, and little Kevin Bartlett, he ran straight up the race, <laughs> and they used to have 20 squashes. You remember how they yeah, had the yeah, did? And he drank three of them. So when we all got up there, there's 19 of us fighting over 17 squashes. He did his normal, it's like his handball. We never saw him handball, we never saw him tackle, he did, but he drank all the squash. His handball went to the car park. But it's very funny, because most of, since that time, all... Everyone I seem to know well, Barracks for Essendon, I've been out there and What did. about the poor runner for Essendon? You landed one, he's chinned in your poor Bradley. No, I, don't, I think it was just a little backhander. <laughs> backhander? <laughs> it was possible for three weeks with a broken jaw. Oh, oh, I nearly had no, a No, no, that head. wasn't me, that was Paul Graham. Bradley? Is it Paul Bradley, isn't no, it? No, not Paul Bradley, what's his first name? Bradley for? got hit by Graham, you remember? Yeah, Graham landed one in his He got a $2,000 fine and six months suspension. Good. He said to me, oh, Jesus, Coco, I don't know if all this <laughs> trouble about getting you over here has been worthwhile. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, he was a great paradox, wasn't he, uh, Rich Graham Richmond? He was fantastic. Like, he was capable of addressing Congress, and very next step, he, he, yeah, he could have been a hired assassin, Graham. He, he ruined, had a ruthless... Uh, oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember my very first game in Melbourne, it doesn't rain, and I'm at the Vaucluse, the fabulous Vaucluse Hotel, on the corner, I had the corner unit, a bedroom, and there's a... Here early in the morning, there's a stone comes about seven o'clock on the Saturday morning to look out, and it's you know how Melbourne doesn't even rain properly sometimes. It's kind of just flickering. And there's Graham Richmond with his little bald head, a green yeah. jumper, hole in the sleeve, paper. He said, "Jesus, Coco, that's going to be a great day today. You're going to play your first game for the black and gold by Christ with us yellow sash. It's a big. Yeah. We go down the MCG, Coco. Yeah. It's two minutes past seven in the morning. He says, and you walk into the room, and the smell of eucalyptus rushes through your nostril, Coco. By Christ, he said, we don't want you to. Oh no, he said, no. When you run down the race, and you walk onto the ground, there's a hundred thousand eyes looking at you, Coco. He said, we don't want you to do anything but when they bounce the ball. We don't want you to look yeah. at the ball. 
We want you to run straight at that big <laughs> bastard Don Scott and knock yeah, him to yeah. the ground. And when you do, you drop both knees and elbows into his guts. By Christ, it's a great day today. But God it was four minutes yeah. past seven in the morning. Yeah. I had seven hours to go. Well, I had a great relationship because he used to drive to Merlefield and I was going to go to Richmond. And he was up there, you know, every second week. We'd have, you know, he knew the family well. We were terrific uh, friends. And in fact, he used to go, I used to work with International Home Products then, and they paid us by check out of Sydney. And I would cash them at the ball. Clear, you'd cash them for me every week. But I remember when Francis Burke got badly bashed. Remember that uh, yeah. about 10 or 15, 20 years ago? Uh, I always remember I was there at his hotel in the morning, and he took a call from a very colourful identity in Melbourne. He said, just make sure the coppers don't find him first. I want you to let me know when you find him. Because he was very, very connected behind the scenes. Oh, who like, Graham. Oh. But wasn't it North Melbourne and them were so competitive with the Ron Josephs and, oh. the, and, they, and Sw- Alan, Alan Aylett and yeah. Octa and all these plagues. But, but the best one was one day some bloke uh, was cutting the wires at the Vaucluse Hotel. So Graham, you know, give him a bit of a belt. They give him a bit of a belting as they pull the bloke down <laughs> from trying to cut their leg. And, and I said, look, just uh, I'll get a bar mat and just... Uh, cover in case there's a bit of blood there and that and he says Jesus Cocko he said hey when you read the Herald Sun in the morning the prick's not going to be here in front of the war clues and he's pulling him across to put him in front of Dimmies there was three Graham Richmonds I'm telling you he's a fantastic let's get on to this uh, who would you like to have a drink with uh, uh, am I first Malcolm I? yeah well why don't you Donald, well, Donald Trump Donald Trump. Well, uh, you, you're yeah. probably stolen one of Sam's. I, well, uh, well, actually, I, I have had different. Well, well that's lost half our audience. Yeah, well, I, I like, well, they have, most probably more, <laughs> but I like the fact that he's basic, what he does with his private life, I couldn't care less. I like a lot of his policies. I think he's fabulous. The second one I love, I'd like to admit was Kerry Packer. Yeah, because, I, I met Packer. Because he reckons that... Uh, uh, the, the public spend their money better than the government spends yeah, it for yeah, them. Yeah. That and poor uh, senator yeah. in that inquiry. Yeah. Oh, God, and I, I felt sorry the, for her. The world, and my, my third one was, I think, I've got that much memorabilia of him. Uh, it was Muhammad Ali, which we oh, call yeah. Cassius Clay. I thought he, I just listened, someone sent me a thing the other day of him singing a song. Um, let it be or something and then they're all starting to recycle and his speech he gave with Parkinson on the uh, in BBC or whatever it was years ago he was a genius I he reckon Muhammad Ali was a genius I, I, uh, the one time I met well the one time I met uh, Muhammad Ali he was uh, I'd been to the MCG with my Scottish born wife and you've got a Scottish born wife have, too that's another denominator we have and um and you know the difference between a Scot and a canoe? No. The Scot tips occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of a fillip. <laughs> so, so they had they had a the uh, the Scottish band thing, the, uh, uh, the tattoo, the tattoo at the MCG. So we took our at that time our kids were. Just about able to walk around by themselves, you know, with us. So we went down there. And coming back um, past the Hilton Hotel, which is now the Pullman, standing in the doorway, obviously waiting to be picked up, is Muhammad Ali. So <laughs> when you're younger like that, you know, um, I'm an Olympian too, I'll go and talk to him, you know, because, you know, he's a gold medalist. And, 
<laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I thought, oh, I'll go and introduce myself. He's standing there by himself. Well, he was terrific. Yeah. And uh, we spent five, five minutes. He picked the, the girls up and tussled their hair and all that sort of stuff. And he said, wow, beautiful girls. And here's the boy. Oh, you're ugly. Oh, no, you're not. You know you're not. <laughs> and I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was, no, that was... Yeah. Uh, that must have been... Gee whiz, 40, 40 years ago. Yeah, he was fabulous, I thought. I thought oh, three yeah. of those people were very Huge good. Huge identity, yeah. Anyway, uh, so, there, so how right. about you, Sam? Well, I'd like to meet, I'd like to have dinner with David Zuckerberg, you know, who was this founder of... Uh, of uh, Facebook? Facebook. Facebook, yeah. CEO. Uh, he had an IQ of 152, which is 0.1% of the entire populace. Is that a fact? Yeah, at 23, they earned... But what six, happened to him? He earned uh, $6 million where, where, a day. Where do you reckon we'd rate? He's yeah. got $2 billion, He's got $2 billion, uh, subscribers. He earned $6 million a day. And it's just a fascinating story how he started the whole business in his own dormitory. Now, there are people at Harvard that say that he might have aped a few things yeah. and he's in litigation... But predominantly was the uh, the founder and the driving force behind. I think it'd be fantastic. Has I wonder, whether, I wonder whether he'd be good fun though. No, well, has Facebook well, been good for the world? I think all that social media has been a cancer, yes, predominantly. But anyhow, that's the platform, and a lot of them use that platform. Uh, welcome creation, to this a lot pod- of divisions. podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the podcasts are fantastic. Well, that's the one where you can have some dialogue. And interaction. Who's the other one, Sammy? Who have the you other been? one. Well, I like. Look, there's two to go. There's two to go. We've got three of them. Yeah. I've had my first. Do you go back to your second, Leon? Oh, well, I haven't had my first yet. Well, I haven't had their first. No. I thought Mohammed. Oh, sorry. No, that was no, no, it was okay. no, no. You do your three, and I'll. Uh... Well, I would have loved to have had Jesse Owens. I'd love to sit down with Jesse Owens. Yeah. In that period, you know, when Hitler, <laughs> when he absolutely. You know, embarrassed the entire Nazi regime when they were at the peak of their powers. Yeah, four gold medals. Four and, uh, gold the medals. He 1936 a, Olympics in Berlin. Yeah, but he would have been a fascinating story, apart from his own personal achievements. The role, the, 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 the black person in America at the time, the segregation, the isolation, you know, the vilification, all those issues would have been terribly, terribly interesting. Uh, I'll tell you a thing about him, Jesse Owen. Came, he came here in 1956 and called the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And he called it on Channel 9, because Channel 7 were the main, if you remember. Uh, yeah. But uh, that's... Uh, and um, our good mate Gordon Bennett uh, was the... He used to pick up the big reels that they <laughs> they had on these the little cameras they had right. and run them, physically run them to Dorcas Street, who would, pr- uh, who would process them and then taxi them out to the airport where the pilots were G'd up to take them through the pilot's window and deliver the, the pictures mm. of the Melbourne Olympics around the world. So he, he was, uh, Jesse Owen, called the Olympics with Mark McCormick from IMG. Yeah, that's a guy, yeah. And the other one was Tony Charlton. Tony, what a voice, Tony Charlton. Oh, wonderful man. Oh, outstanding. And my third, because <clears throat> you know I'm a keen politician and historian, I'd love to have had dinner with JFK for the simple reason I would love to know just how close we were with the Cold War in the Bay of Pigs when it was averted for the want of the better public you know it was on a knife's edge between the east and the west when Khrushchev was in power in in, uh, Russia 
and at the Bay of Pigs in Cuba when they were setting their missiles, and then they, they averted that possible nuclear war or the war between the two powers. I would have loved to know what happened in their chief of staff with McNamara and all those when they were plotting and scheming, and then they made that decision when he was at the uh, at, at the helm, he was at the forefront there on the boat as they were trekked on to into Cuba. Uh, it'd be just a fascinating, you know, story and, and an insight into the real history. You know, here we're just surmising what might have, what could have happened secondhand, but to hear it firsthand be a fascinating... Uh, Leon, you know. Leon would have to love Churchill, wouldn't you? Uh, well, it, well he was before great, my time. But, well, uh, <laughs> Churchill won the war and lost the election. Yeah. Yes, well, the, the three that I, I, I've noted... Uh, were in fact three people that I do know or did know. One was the legendary Keith Miller, oh, played yeah. football for St Kilda and of course a wonderful test cricketer. And But more than that, uh, just a wonderful... Now I have to say, he was a bloke's bloke. You know, oh. now in these days of woke and all that sort of stuff, he, he probably would be frowned upon. He, he's just a guy that loved a beer with his mates and... You know, and he, a girl, a, and the well, girls. Oh yeah, he well, the, girls. Uh, the ambassador for Buckingham Palace. Oh well, sure. <laughs> uh, well, uh, and that's true. Um, yeah. But he he's adored in uh, in England. Yeah, he's fabulous. Uh, he's he's better known over there than he, he was here. Hey, tell uh, me before that, did you know that Ross Glendinning's father yes. flew, flew with him yep. uh, over Germany and read his book? The it's yeah. all about yeah. Glendinning. Yeah. That, that was that was just Very chalk and cheese. Uh, yeah. No, they oh, weren't. What's, what's what's the difference between chalk and cheese? Well, it two people. He couldn't have, couldn't have been closer. No, very close. Uh, I forget his name now. Ross's and, father, uh, Gus. 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 And, yeah. Gus Glendinning. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, and Keith Miller. He yeah. umpired a grand final in about '57, and he played a few seconds games for his Perth, and they nearly they were going to kill him. They reckon he was that biased that they, <laughs> <laughs> he gave up umpiring. I think. So Keith Miller is one. He had a fantastic memory. I, I rang him once, and he didn't always. Uh, talk to you, you know. Uh, if he didn't know you very well, he'd say it would be a bit gruff on the phone, you know. So I was going to, I was taking the family uh, to England for a holiday, and then we we're going to go across to the West Indies. And I thought, oh, well, if anyone can get me into the Test cricket there, it'll be Buddy Miller. So I rang him in Sydney, and he said, oh, wait a minute, I'll, uh, it's you. I said, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll take it easy because I don't always talk to everybody, you know. <laughs> and I said, look, I'm going to England. I thought you might know a couple. Write these names down. <laughs> well, he, he didn't have time to get a pen or anything. And he said, Mel Brown, number 1679350. Uh, <laughs> Sam uh, six. he's with Hertz Cars. He's got the pub on the corner and just around from Buckingham Palace. Uh, now, where are you going? The West Indies, well... The secretary over there is uh, Harry Bloggs, and uh, <laughs> I'll ring him for you, and uh, that, that, that's all set. Just just yeah. straight off the top, and that's the old journalist in him, I guess. That's right, yeah. Um, so that's one. The other one is Al Order. Now, people won't perhaps know Al Order, but he won four discus gold medals in a row and should have won a fifth, but the Americans wouldn't pick him because they reckon he was injured. The day of the fifth Olympics that he didn't go in, he, he threw the discus further than the winner of the discus that, that day. Right? So uh, he came to Australia several times. His wife, to my knowledge, still comes down. She's got a friend in Frankston. Um, he came out for the celebrations of our 25th uh, anniversary of the Melbourne Olympics and, 
in, in, in the 40th year. Yeah, what was his name? How do you L. Order. L. Order. The order. spelling is O-E-R-D-E-R. Look at order. Order. Okay. I don't know what the I've derivation of that it. is. No, It'd be Scandinavian, yeah. wouldn't it? O-E-R-D-E-R-L Wonderful athlete and um, terrific bloke Later in life he passed away a few years ago later in life he became what, what he called an impact artist he'd get the he'd get a huge sheet of paper with all the all the paintings on it and he'd throw the discus into it Pro and, 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 and he liked pro hearts, you know, yeah. and uh, very, very valuable. He did a lot of work for charities uh, with that. With that stuff. So he's a – and the other one is a group. And in 1992, I was fortunate to be working with 3UZ at the time, doing some radio, and um, I went across to Barcelona as a member of the media contingent and went up to Banyolis, which is where the rowing is, for the final of the Awesome Foursomes race. And I sat with Noel Donaldson, who was their coach. So, you know, the things you can do. Because <laughs> that time I was still president of the uh, Olympians Club of Australia, so I, I had all these passes. So I sat with the family and Noel Donaldson. About three quarters of the way through, he said, you know, I think they're rowing the perfect race. I, I wouldn't know, you know, only looking at the big screen. And then later on, after that race, we went to a beer garden, we'd call it, uh, with all the boys. And I've got a photo of myself with their four gold medals around my neck. And we had a wonderful day and night, I might say. But uh, so that, that was a, uh, some of those things yeah. I'd like to repeat. Mm. So there you go. Brownie, what, uh, it's a sad day for you today, isn't it, uh, the day we're recording this? Mm. Well, it's not not, not, not quite yet. Uh, it's pretty close, the next couple yeah. of days. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's a sad time with Kay, uh, Lovely not, wife not, Kay not telling me how to do the washing. Big and red. Big red. So, uh, um, but, yeah, it's been... It's, it's really not to be confused with another big red of the West Australian. No, not, not Eileen <laughs> Bond. Bondies, yeah. Actually, Leon, I, uh, one of the things that uh, you said early in the show was, is any regrets? And <clears throat> I think I was uh, lucky enough to be offered a Fitzroy coaching job by Ern Joseph for five years in 1970, end of 74 as a playing coach, uh, which, I, as you said, I was a bit overweight to be a playing coach. And... Should have most probably given that more due diligence. And then South uh, Melbourne. And then uh, one day with Octa, with uh, Octa and Graham. But uh, I just got married and didn't have a chance because I, I think... Oh, Octa, by the way, is Ian Wilson, Ian, oh, sorry, the former Octa, president Wilson, of yeah. the Richmond Footy Club. And, and that's father a, of. And that's a sad... <laughs> Prominent uh, journal, Caroline Yeah, Wilson. but that was, you know, that's most probably something that you could say to you, what do you regret? But you never know, but life's been very good to me and uh, it's been wonderful footy and it's lovely hearing your stories, you two. Oh, but Malcolm, you've been, you know, as I say to a lot of people, when you mention the name Mal Brown, they normally associate it with the controversies in the intemperate language. But your record, your CV as a player and a coach, is second to none. Oh, well, I don't know about And that. I might add, your son Campbell has almost emulated your feats too. <laughs> now, you, was it true that you went to see every game that... Campbell played for uh, Hawthorne and uh, yeah, the Suns. Yeah, Kay, we, I think Case, and she mightn't have, we might have missed one, I missed one when I was overseas doing something, uh, and I think Kay might have seen everyone. She went, we went all over 
We used to go and catch up with the Germans in South Australia, you know, Shipway and all those guys <laughs> yes. over there. And go and, yeah. uh, Remember uh, the cowboy David, coming David, South Australia? Yeah, Shipway and all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. I loved it. Look, a lot of friends there. And then we, when he was at Gold Coast, uh, we went up there because it was a great break. And then uh, we went to Perth and catch up with the Perth people and then up to Sydney. Yeah, we saw most of them and enjoyed them. And uh, it just proved, I mean, I saw the development of Clarkson and uh, I'd say in my 50 years, he's a... a uh, continuously the best coach I've seen by some by some distance mm. he's always changing and evolving, evolving with yeah. the game he's very very smart Clarkson now what are we going to give this guy for being with us today I was uh, about to ask him Leon uh, you know we talk about you know his career and what he's done and you know what he thinks about this and that but uh, what about Mel Brown the person what have you what did you do in your personal life where did you make your wealth where do you live? What do you do? And what are your aspirations? Well, I was just from Darwin, a country boy that became a boarder at Scotch College and then went and joined East Perth where Hextremple was like... Well, Scotch College is not just a throwaway little oh, know, reform school. Oh, look, mate, I was the luckiest boy in the world. I had Austin Robertson Senior as my coach who played for South Melbourne uh-huh. and he said, uh, you've got to have guts, G-U-T-Z. And then he'd say, uh, three-quarter time, you get with them at three-quarter time and I'll win you the game. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we had uh, a bloke called, I wouldn't know here, Johnny Leonard, who won the Sandover medal in um, 20-something. And then Clive Lewington, who coached four premierships for South, coached me. But what did you do work-wise, professional well, I, did, I, did, I started off doing Shard de Countsy. Uh, ah. And then went into then went into life assurance, life insurance and horse insurance and, and, and accountant, accountant and an insurance person. Yeah, yeah. and, and then you've finance. got this extroverted, vibrant uh, uh, personality. Well, we'd, that's an oxymoron. Well, I think I, I, I used to go to sleep during the custom credit audit and tick everything with a green pen, so it went through. When you were, an accountant, as as when you were an accountant, was three and three seven, or was yeah, it not? With, <laughs> not like it is today. And there was no slings or quid pro quo on the top either. Uh, a very canny investor too, I can tell you, this guy. So, what are we giving Leon? I think the print. We'll give you the print, print. Yeah. Mitchell and print. Mitchell and print. Well, you'll you'll love that. You're you like a partial a bit of grape. I'd like a red. A red, yes. Well, we'll... Uh, he married one. Yeah, big red. <laughs> you named her that, I reckon. Leon used oh. to name a big red. They mustn't have thought much of her parents when they named her. Just gave her a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Brownie, it's lovely having you on the first edition of this yeah. Sport and Life and uh, hope you enjoyed yourself here at the Prince Hotel uh, in uh, Fitzroy Street, St Kilda. And Sammy... Uh, next week, I think you've got a politician coming up for oh, us. Oh, we have a good friend of ours, Simon Crean, who should have been probably the another Prime another North Melbourne guy. Uh, well, God, no, he's a North. He's a great Australian, uh, even though it's not our side of politics. Oh, well, they're very closely aligned. Don't line it's me not up with you guys. It's, it's not a political show. We uh, we've got an open mind. In fact, I was just thinking of Brownie before. You know, the two words that best depict the uh, essence and the character of the Australian psyche is being fair dinkum. And it's a really fair dinkum sort of a show, isn't it? And that's what we tend to maintain, hopefully, Leon, with your direction. Uh, and Simon's a very fair dinkum sort of a bloke. And uh, he'll, uh, he'll be interesting. He'll know how he's got shafted a few times out of his, uh, by the factions. When politicians voted for what was right, not was politically or uh, personally correct. popular. Police, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Those were the days. Uh, Brownie, See thanks for joining us today. And Sam, we'll catch you again next week on Look Sport to and it. Life.